Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Passing Dimes. Really excited for today's guest. He says he's a friend of the show, but I guess we'll find out what episodes he's listened to in a second here. So today's guest grew up in that uh, Calgary area where he played for Canuck. He's a Team Alberta guy where he's got a silver medal from Canada Games. He now plays for Mount Royal, and he's already been a part of Volleyball Canada's program with our junior national team, and he's been an FTC guy. Please welcome to the show, Louis Lang. Louis, thanks for doing this, man. Hey, Josh. Thanks for having me. So Sora's probably going to roll his eyes at me because uh, I've said on this show a couple of times, I think Calgary per capita might be the volleyball hotbed in Canada right now. It just seems like everybody, like, you know, those dinos guys, it seems like the whole roster is Calgary guys plus Sora. Your team is obviously very competitive. Like what makes that Calgary area so successful and what makes Canuck like the club to be a part of? Well, this was way before I started volleyball, but how I kind of got explained to me was, I believe the national team trained out of Calgary in the past and years past. And then just all those ex national team players like went on and then with their kids and they started touching the ball literally out of the volleyball, right where Canuck used to train. And then I got to play with the sons of ex national team members, uh, played with the, well, some of the Greaves and like the Elsers, for example. Nice, nice. So was there any other sport that kind of got your attention or as soon as you started playing volleyball at a good level, that was like the sport for you? No, so I was I was actually telling this story to some of my teammates earlier today, but I was a baseball guy my whole life, never. Yeah, so I was born in Venezuela and baseball is the main sport there. Volleyball wasn't even in the picture. I started playing ball, baseball around grade two almost and played it all the way up to junior high high school and so eventually we found ourselves here in canada and the opportunities just didn't come in baseball how they did in volleyball i continuously kept trying out for provincial teams in baseball and yeah i just had no luck and i believe canada games year was the first year i tried out for team alberta and I was lucky enough to make it and I loved every minute of it and I kind of stuck with it since. That's sweet, man. So uh, I got to know with you loving baseball so much, has that helped your arm swing? I know some coaches might think that a middle has a different arm swing, but seeing you hit, it seems like that's a bit of a whip. Can we credit baseball to that uh, upstart? I will absolutely credit baseball to that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was a pitcher and I loved, I loved throwing balls. Nice, man. So help me in the listeners with the timeline. I'm trying to think, are you Jesse Elser's age or are you maybe a year younger than him? Like you would have played club with him or is he just a touch older? He is actually the year just above me, but I am the same year as Matthias Elser, Matt Neves. Those are the guys that I played club with. Jesse, I was actually supposed to play with in my U17 year for Canuck Dinos. Uh, that was with Jackson Howe, Mitchell Newman, Jackson Brennan, all those guys are a year above me, but that was the year. And I think similar to all the Elsers, they all went to the FTC for their grade 12 year. Nice. So I got to miss out on that. So that Team Alberta year, I think that was an interesting year because I, I think the age group was, was pretty stacked. Like I think Team Ontario had like Justin Louie and, and uh, both Cole and Xander Ketchuzinski. Uh We were able to steal Sora to the beach, but there was still just like a ton of guys there. So what was it like that summer? Because that was your first experience with Team Alberta. Like, were you aware of, of what a big scale the Canada Games was going to be in such a big deal? Or were you just kind of just happy to be on the provincial team around your buddies? Yeah, yeah. I, I wasn't tech very aware that Canada Games 
was that year. I was fortunate enough, like similar to the guys this year, that I was just the perfect age to be able to go to Canada Games. And yeah, so I just tried out and we went to Florida for about a week or so. And we trained there, similar to a lot of Canadian teams. And then Canada Games, and it was a huge deal. I, I didn't know how big of a deal it was until I got there. And I love the Canada Games aspect of Mini Olympics. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, that's awesome. It reminds me, we had Logan House from Team Ontario on the show, and he he wasn't like a late start in volleyball, but he played at like a smaller club in the Barrie area. So like he would get to Canada Games and there'd be guys talking about like, oh, this team has so-and-so or that that's Colton from BC on this team. Like, did that kind of help you get over the size of the event because you just didn't know who was playing? Like you weren't going to be intimidated playing against Colton or Cole or any of these other guys at the event because you probably just didn't know who they were? There was a couple guys definitely that I knew about. Xander. Xander was probably the big one that I knew. I knew I'd have to match up against him at some point and he was playing in the middle at the time and I saw that as my biggest opponent, I guess, but the previous year was NTCCs, I think, but I, I wasn't part of the provincial team. I didn't know who was playing for what province. I didn't know the volleyball community very well. Now, with that team Alberta year, you guys were obviously very skilled, very confident. Whose idea was it to dye the hair? I think you guys went in all bleach blonde, didn't you? Yeah, un- <laughs> unfortunately we did. It, it was actually some of the returning guys from the previous year. They, like, I, I, I think like four or five of them did it, but it wasn't a full team commitment. And in Canada Games year, it was unbelievable how everybody just did it. Even our alternates that didn't travel, the guys that came to Florida, they, everybody did it. And yeah, it was... It was super funny to see everybody blonde all of a sudden. <laughs> so obviously you played for Canuck and, and you're getting good experience there, but was Canada games kind of your first hint at what it was going to be like to play in that Canada West and play U sports because now you're game planning a little bit. Now it's one match a day and you can kind of get like a little bit more focus. Like did that, did that experience really get you hooked on what high level volleyball could be? Yeah. Yeah. That was absolutely it. So being coached by Brock Daviduk and Brad Pops from McEwen and they, they kind of showed me the ropes how Canada West would be. It was five set matches. I don't think I had played a five set match up until that point. I, yeah, hadn't done much game plan on anything or, yeah, it was completely an introduction to Canada West. And I think it gave me a little bit of advantage for my first year coming in. Nice. Yeah, we've had Brock on the show and I'm glad you mentioned Brad's name there. So even though it's a, it's a little bit shorter time than maybe they get with their university teams, obviously, but just tell me what those guys did so well that kind of got you hooked because obviously there's a little bit of team building getting together. There's there's a little bit uh, videos maybe new or systems are new. Like what did they do to make you guys feel like you were up to speed and could play for a medal? I think just our training, how our training was set up. Everybody, Everything was really focused. We had a really, team ta- a really talented group. Uh, and those guys are obviously very respected in, uh, in the U sports and they've been doing it for years. And I think to show it to the age just below, it's great for the future generations. Nice, man. Nice. So help me with the timeline. Once again, when you were a Canada games athlete with team Alberta, had you already committed to MRU or what was like your path of deciding what college or university you wanted to go to? No, I believe I hadn't. So Canada Games was in my grade 11 year. Oh, okay. And I didn't really commit anywhere up until I believe it was an early high school season in my grade 12 year. 
yeah, and I wasn't very sure what I what I was gonna do. I had a couple options, but Sky reached out to me, and I really liked the relationship that the relationship that we had from day one. And yeah, I, I really trusted him, and I liked what he had to offer. Monroe seemed just like a good fit for me. Now, obviously, you've committed there, and you're thriving in that environment. So, hopefully, uh, Coach Sky doesn't mind me asking who else was in the running, or, or was, was it pretty eliminated pretty quickly that you knew you knew you wanted to be a Mount Royal guy? No, actually, I will say this is kind of a funny story, but <laughs> I think Sky was going to recruit me out. Not even me, actually. So, I'll I won't say the guy's name for. But he, we were my opponent in high school. He was there to recruit my opponent, the other middle in high school. And I think he left the gym being more impressed with me. And then, <laughs> yeah, and luckily for me that you, I happened to be at the right place at the right time. And that's kind of how it all got started. Oh, that's so cool to hear. So what were your expectations going into that first year? Like, I don't think uh, Coach Sean Sky's a big guy about promising, you know, starting time or you're going to have this role with the team. So did you put any expectations on yourself, like after a good Canada Games year and another year at club? Like, did you know what the level could be or were you just ready to, like, soak it in from day one? Just ready to really learn from all the vets. I believe there was three younger guys. There was two other rookies that came in with me, but I didn't expect much. Just wanted to learn and get as much information as all these older guys. And a lot of guys did take me under the wing and teach me a lot. And, but yeah, I had really no expectations. Just happy to be there. Was happy to be playing at a higher level. And yeah. Now, I'm guessing this it was maybe your grade 12 year to first year. But when was the junior national team year? Do I have that correctly that it was before your first year of university? Sorry, let me check. Actually, it was in 2018. Yes, yeah, so it was just previous to my first year. Nice. Yeah. So and I got into training camp about like just a week late because the tournament went right into training camp. Okay, because I'm looking at the team photo here, and I mean, it's you and Xander, and I think Finn McCarthy's there, uh, St. Yep. Denis, Justin Louis, Colton from UBC. Uh, sure enough, you're on another team with the Elsers. Uh, uh, Matthias is there, Hofer's there. Like, uh, again, was that just another like cool experience? One, you're playing in Cuba, where they absolutely love volleyball. I'm sure you could have snuck off and played baseball too, but it seems like a pretty good volleyball hotbed. But now you're on the national team, so what was that experience like? Oh, it was great. It was great to get to represent the Maple Leaf. I something I've strived to do either in any sport, really, anything you do, and to be playing at some of the highest level with some of the other athletes at such a high level. It's pretty incredible. I and even though I still hadn't played volleyball for under really two years, three years, still learning a ton, still. Yeah, making relationships with all these guys, and these are friendships that I have to this day. Now, you did post a photo where you're in the crowd, and there, there's a young fan there holding up your jersey. Is that something you're comfortable with right away, is just to interact with the crowd a little bit? Like, were they big Canada supporters, or did you go out of your way to find these young fans? No, actually. So, I was born in Venezuela, of course, and and Spanish is the, the language there. And so, my parents came to watch, and... At some point, they interacted with these fans and they just found these Canadian Venezuelans. And so I interacted. I, I was really the only one on the team that could communicate with them. And yeah, so it was nice to meet some guys, and some 
yeah, some people from, from sport. Yeah, that's so cool. And, and I got to know, as you're kind of climbing the ladder here, I mean, there's Adam Simak. I think Shane White was a coach. And then uh, the Brazilian's name, uh, John Bravo, I think his name was yeah. like. Joao Bravo, yeah. What was it like being in that environment? Because uh, my understanding is Bravo didn't have the best English, but I think he was able to translate or speak French to Simac, who could translate it to the guys who couldn't pick it up. So a bit of a unique experience that way, but still getting like international experience from the coaches. So did you kind of pick up anything that summer that helped spark your first year of U Sports? Uh, just how these guys approach the game, how there's, it's not just step on the court and hit the ball and go over motions. There's a lot of purpose behind it behind every contact, behind every serve, and just their mentality on how they can improve or how they see their game, where they can make little adjustments. And did you pull anything from Simak, who had just come through, like Glenn's system, he helped rebuild the program? Like, was there anything being a middle blocker you could take away from that guy? Uh, yeah, quite a little bit, actually. More specifically for that junior team cycle. Um, like, just, like for example, a commit block, I'd never commit block in my life i was i just kind of jump and pop at the middles but yeah just to be more aggressive really um go after the ball and that's something i i feel like i would have to do more on international level being i wouldn't say smaller but yeah a smaller guy for my position at the international stage that's so funny to hear because you're you're like a true six seven, right? That that's not like a roster height. Like you're legit six seven. Yeah, six six and a half, six seven. And you're small compared to the guys across the net from you. I would say so. I'd say, yeah. I even the guys that I train with, like Matt Neves, he was he was uh he's a six nine guy. He was playing middle. Ben McCarthy too. He's a bigger guy. Um, and yeah, just more physicality. I. I can't say I jumped the same as those guys. So your, your first year, 2018-19 there, you played 24 matches. So again, what was training camp like and going into that regular season? Like, did you know you're going to get your number called? Like, did you just feel like you were winning a bunch of drills in practice that they needed a, a, an offensive middle like you? Like, what was kind of that first, uh, take me through training camp and then into that first regular season match? Yeah, so training camp was great. I got to miss I didn't do I think like I said I missed about a week of training camp I came in not expecting anything but with a little bit of confidence that coming from the junior team but again no expectations and I just trained hard kept my head down and did really as I was told and I happened to find myself on the floor and yeah I thank that to my training really now the, the league has changed a, a little bit, and I think, uh, talking to you before the show, I think Ben Joe's going to have a lot of influence on a lot of coaches now that he's the national team coach and not a competitor, that the middle is going to get a lot of attention. But going through your U-sports career, what's it like preparing for maybe like a Billy Johnson or a Jackson Howe are going to be really fast and attack gaps? Or like, I, I'm sure you would have played against him before he graduated U of A, like a George Hoburn who's just like a grown-ass man and, and wants to hammer balls and just has a presence on the court. So... How do you kind of prepare for these guys as you go through the plan? Because there's so many different body types and style types in new sports middles, right? Yeah, and it's really all the work that you put in going into that match that you're going to get out as much of that match as you put into it. It's all the video sessions. It's seeing all the little tendencies. It's a guy like Billy, for example. I know he can hang in the air five more seconds than I can, so I might have to delay my jump a little bit to time that block right or guy like 
Jackson Howe as well that I can have to kind of mix and match with my timing to kind of meet them at the net. Now, we've had a lot of setters on the show, and they brag about how they're playing a game within a game against the middle blocker on the other side, and they use their vision or try to give little body language cues to try to get you guys to bite on something. Have you found there's any tricks that middles can do to kind of fight back against the setter, or honestly, is the best response just to be patient and on balance that you can react to anything? I think patience. For me, it's been patience. I I would say one of my skills is my speed, and I depend on that a lot. I I'm not a guy that will show where he's going or I like to be really disciplined until the set's made and then use my speed to catch up to that set. And there is times and there is a level where the set does become too fast and then you're playing the game within the game, like you said. Maybe it's taking, showing a step towards the middle, but you're not really there. Or yeah, just showing something and then taking it away. And it changes throughout the whole game. And, and how important is your prep? Because I think th- there's a video available and I'm sure the coach goes through it and you probably go through it. But sometimes like a setter might play you differently than another middle in the league, right? So how can you kind of see what an overall tendency is without going down the hole of saying like, oh, this is what they did against the middle ABC. But they're not going to do that against you sometimes because they have a different style or a different outcome. So h- how much video can you watch before it's just like it- it's too much info? I'm a... I'm a big fan of video. I'd say I spend for a match anywhere from an hour and a half to two hours maybe. But I I do like to see tendencies, but I don't I like to feel out the game a lot too. I I don't just take those tendencies that they use and go after all the time. I maybe they switch it up on me during the game or the software that we actually use for Monroe, and I think a lot of universities use it, is Volumetrics. And part of that is we get like uh, like a 120-page report on on every other team in the conference and like tiny little details such as, I think one that could come, that I could take from the top of my head was in that same year, I think Blaine Cranston was the setter for UFC and I, after 20, he loved to set the middle. And yeah, so that was a little piece of information I just kept in the back of my head and, but still playing the game. Now, well, I love how you're talking about you're playing the game because obviously stuff's gonna change. Like the, the score might have intel, where pressure comes from might have intel, but when you're off, like it's tempting, I'm sure, to, to touch up the box squad and be engaged with those guys. But are you talking to another coach or is there a teammate? Like, are you just in your own head? Like, how are you making adjustments? Because those three rotations are off. I mean, you probably want to rest, right? But how are you still staying engaged or trying to figure out what's going to happen when you get back on the floor? Yeah. So first thing I I usually try and do is I'll come off and I'll just ask my coaches if they're seeing anything. Is there anything I can do? I I'm big on adjustments. I, I think a game plan will last you about set a set and a half maybe in this league, but guys are good enough to make adjustments on the fly and you have to be good enough to respond to that. So just adjusting within the game. Nice. Love to hear that because that was actually going to be my next question because I love the scheduling format of the Canada West where it's back-to-backs and like you said, you might have a game plan for that Friday night game, but that it's not even going to last that full match and then you got to reset and they're they're doing the same thing to battle against you on Saturday. So how have you found a way to, you know, watch that match and see what they want to do, but know that they have another layer they're going to pull out the next game, right? Like you said, guys are 
guys are good enough to make adjustments and even though you have spent all this time on video i'd like to trust my teammates and my coaches when i when i'm off on those rotations i'll ask my coaches or i'll notice if i'm getting burned to a certain shot a lot i'll see my teammates if they're picking up anything or ask my coaches if they're seeing stuff and i I did want to check in with you as your career has progressed your hitting efficiency's gone up. Uh, obviously, you're getting a ton of volume as a middle. Like, what do you credit to that? Where you're making less errors, you're making better decisions, you're terminating the ball. Like, what does it take to score at your level against some of these other middles and, and even help blockers coming from the pin sometimes? I think a lot of it at our level is just switching up cadence, just switching up your timing. Whether it's be you can't just be hammered. Well, you can if you're physical enough. But for my my game is to switch my shots up. So maybe hit a couple to five and tip to one or flush one or play with the hands a little bit. It's kind of just showing the attacker a variety rather than just showing them one thing. And I think COVID was brutal for sport, especially with you being a student, but maybe one benefit as we look back here is you got to be an FTC guy and uh, I'm sure these guys are coming and going, but obviously you're around guys your age and there are some younger guys like Justin Louie and, and Pereira and, and a few guys who are like still involved in the program. I think Jackson was maybe there as another young middle, but you also got to be around Finnegan. You got to be around Jansen Van Dorn. The the roster lists TJ here. I'm wondering how often he was here, like Jason DeRocco. Like, was it kind of a cool vibe that you're around like guys your age, but there's also some like true professionals in the building as well? Yeah. So uh, for that NEP year, I actually only did the first semester. I did not stay. I came back for the second semester and came to train at Mount Royal, hoping that we were going to train here. Maybe a decision that I think about quite a little bit. But uh, so I actually didn't get the chance to play with TJ or Jensen Van Dorn, or but I did get to play with Lucas Van Merkel, and yeah, just seeing. Like having a guy on the A team like that right in front of you and training with them, picking his brain a little bit. It's and it opens your eyes to how you can implement that from the international game to U Sports even. Nice. Yeah, I'm curious with your international experience, your U Sports experience, like what are some things that have helped you or that you maybe you've stolen from some of these other middles you've talked to? Because uh, I think as you go up the level, passing gets better, setters get better, like this pace of game is gonna continue to increase, right? So how do you find yourself adjusting to that without getting overwhelmed? Yeah, it's it's a good question. I I think the one I would adjust to the most is my blocking. I at least when I was playing the national team, there was a lot more commit blocking. Uh, that's something that I showed a little bit in U Sports, but didn't really use too much. Where maybe in the national team, you commit more on like when the pass is on the setter's head. Now, when you say full commit, like, does that mean, I, I don't know, like a rotation where the middle starts in four? Like, are you meeting them out by the shoot because the set is that fast that if you stay neutral, like, you're not going to be able to get a touch on it? Like, is it is full on, like, you're fronting the middle wherever they go on the court sometimes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, head, head on head, really, it's kind of how I play it. And for my timing, I'm almost jumping at the same time, if not before those guys, so I can get as much penetration over the net and they don't get the chance to get the shot off really before I'm up there. 
And any tips for how you're dealing with the, the pipe middle combo? Because on TV, it looks fast. I can only imagine what it's like when you're actually across the net from it. Like that decision has to happen so quickly. Or are you able to kind of commit so you're in a position to maybe guard both with maybe a calf jump on one and a full jump on the other? Like, what do you do in those situations where it's just lightning quick? Yeah, so a lot of it, again, is knowing when teams like to use their pipe. Maybe there's some rotations that they do, or maybe there's they run it with one left side, but not the other. So always really knowing who's in the back row and kind of I like to play around with it either sometimes I'll show a full commit to the middle or sometimes I'll pop with the middle and kind of stay with the pipe I I play that game with the setter I don't let them really show see two looks in a row kind of and yeah so it might be either full front in the middle or maybe I'll give them the shot to five so I can kind of expect the pipe coming over the shoulder for example yeah, that's so cool to hear. So your FTC year, obviously, if the COVID rules allowed, uh, there was enough people there to do gameplay where there's been other years of FTC where maybe they had seven guys total. And it just seems like a lot of reps. Like, what was it like being in an environment where there's a ton of guys around? Dan Lewis is there. I'm, I'm sure some other coaches popped in and out because there wasn't a, a U-sports season there. So what did you take from that experience? Because I understand Dan Lewis can run a heck of a practice gym. Yeah, yeah, he definitely brings a lot of energy and some some great energy to the gym. I even playing with him, he, he'd hop in some of our games because I think injury was something we dealt with a lot. So he'd come in on the left side or play libero and playing along Dan is it's quite fun. His energy that he shares, it's, yeah, it's, it's unique. Yeah, and how is he with the middle position? Because obviously good receiver, like good ball control guy, he played outside hitter. Like, were you able to take anything from him or is it is it so specialized at your level that you really look for people who kind of focus on the position? Nope, there's, I'd say I, I still took quite a bit from Dan. Dan is very knowledgeable in the game, but maybe some things that I would focus more like on my serving, for example. Like, that was a year I tried to work a lot on my combo serve throw up a flow and then try to snap on it, get some spin on it. Uh, but yeah, Dan's very knowledgeable throughout all positions, I'd say. Yeah, I feel like that serve is going to be trending even more. Uh, you see it at the eSports level. I feel like some club kids are going to be able to hit it. And is it just because hand passing becomes so good that these guys are confident on a float serve that you need to be able to change it up and snap one so they have to get their forearms on it? Yeah, yeah. I A lot of it I see is the death of the passer. If Looks like he's playing me a little deeper. Maybe I'll throw a float up, but if he steps up, maybe he wants to play with his hands. Maybe I'll mix in a combo serving the seams or, yeah. my I really kind of stole that from Graham, seeing him do that. And he came and practiced with us here at Mount Royal for a couple of times. And he'd explained to me a little bit how he how he tosses the ball, where how his contact. And yeah, like, how his approach is to serve. That's so cool. So are you saying you're you're reading that, like you basically start your pre-toss and you identify where the attacker is? Like, is it a pretty late decision to decide which one you're doing? I kind of want to take and have an idea before I do toss up the ball. I know some passers do like to show, like, like I do in the middle, they like to show me that they're deep and then they'll step up or, and that's sometimes something that I don't get to pick up, but then my teammates on the bench or coaches, something that they tell me. And then me knowing that I could play that, I could still play that game. And 
And how important is your toss then? Because I imagine the disguise of it has to be pretty crisp to get the passer, right? Because if you show one different toss for the other one, I think a good passer is going to like see that right away, right? So how identical can you get this down to to hit your float and your hybrid? Yeah, well, the toss is really everything. If you don't have the toss to be able to hit both, then you're not going to be able to, if you toss it to in front, it's going to kind of be hard to get some snap on it, pull it down. I like to throw it like just above my head kind of, or like just behind kind of how Graham explained it to me. That way you can still get drive some, get drive on the ball, but if you do choose to get some spin on it, I trust my arm and my wrist to just snap over it to get that spin. That's awesome that Graham wants to be involved because I know he is a Calgary area guy, but uh, I would think the Dinos MRU rivalry went deep enough that he wouldn't go, but it's cool that he gives back to everybody he gets to work with. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you leave FTC and obviously there's going to be a U sports season. Like how excited are you when there's finally going to be volleyball again? Or was it a little off-putting knowing that you could only play like interprovincially until playoffs? It was weird to know like you could only play, but I think at that point everybody was so excited to play that we could be playing against like anybody. And I don't think anybody would complain. It just to be back in the gym training not be doing small group sessions or training with mass, for example, it was, it was nice to be back in the gym. Now, I think game planning for Alberta or Calgary or just anybody in your province really is tough when you have to play them twice. What was the cat and mouse game, especially as a middle, knowing that you'd be across the net from like Sora, like four times or, or playing against Elgert and, and these Alberta guys, like, does it get more challenging the more you see them or did you get comfortable? Cause you started to really pick up on some small details. Uh, I'd say, it's tough to get comfortable because like I said, guys are just so good at this level that they're, they can make those adjustments on the fly. Maybe not within points, but within games, within sets, they just like I do, they see video, they watch video, they see what I'm doing and they're, yeah, they yeah. react off that. Nice. And I think there was mixed feelings on the playoff format. I was usually, I, I started off against it because I thought it was a little bit too participation-based where it felt like everybody made the playoffs except one team. But it, sure enough, as soon as it happened, I'm checking scores, I'm checking who's in the table and who's moving around. So as an athlete, what was your perspective when playoffs started in that first weekend? And like it felt real and you're playing against other teams and you're at a neutral site, like all the stuff that went into the CanWest format. Yeah, it was definitely unique and mixed emotions about it, but I think Sky did a great job of preparing us for it. He didn't want to see it as three games. We were there to play one game on Friday. That was how we approached it the whole year. And then we put that game past us on Friday, and then we could play this Saturday game, for example. He didn't really group the three games into one weekend. He really separated them. Now, as an athlete, how did you get attached to that? Because uh, the pessimist side of me says, yeah, that's way easier said than done. Like, how are you not looking ahead to the schedule or trying to see, like, you have that one game that day. How are you not checking the scores to see, like, oh, how did they do? What do we need to do tonight? Like, start playing, like, the hypotheticals of what if, because, you know, if you win tonight but this team loses, maybe that boosts you in the standings. Like, all the little things that I think athletes like to look forward to. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely try not to overthink it too much, I'd say. I but it is hard, like you said, it is it's almost impossible to I think for us, we wanted to prepare the most for Brandon. We had Brandon in our first night of playoffs. 
and we were grouped with Thompson Rivers and Trinity. And we knew Trinity, and we knew they were a good team, but that was, and we knew we'd have to play against them somewhere, but that's not something that you want to be thinking about going into that brand game, for example. So playoffs shake out, and obviously you guys enter the offseason a little bit quicker than maybe you wanted to, but looking at the amount of guys you have returning, I mean, we Jacob Van Giel spent all summer with me on the beach. I think he's going to have a big year. I enjoyed working with him and a couple other guys returning. Like, how excited are you that uh, I understand your training camp started today, you're back in the gym. Like, what are you looking forward to about this season? Oh, I, there's a lot of new faces. There's, yeah, I think not, it's weird the amount of returning guys it's, Seems unusual with, but yeah, I love, I love the guys that we picked up this year. I think we got a lot of talent in the gym and I'm excited, different personalities and I'm excited to see how we connect them all and hopefully make good out of that. Now, is there anything you can do as a leader to kind of help the, the younger guys who maybe COVID affected more? Because obviously you have a COVID year, but you get to go train with the national team at FTC where maybe they had 17-year, 18-year club and they just didn't get to do anything, right? Like, have you noticed that maybe some of these young guys are behind or is there a way to get them back up to speed because they didn't get to play volleyball for a couple of years, right? Yeah, for sure. And that's the way how Sky explained to me. I think for rookies, for example, they didn't get to play at all. And they... One of them was fortunate enough to play for in the Canada games this year, but like some of them just hadn't played volleyball since grade 11. So I really want them to have like the curious, like be asking lots of questions. Like that's what the vets are there for. They, they've been through it. They, they know the answers. And if they don't, they could take you to somewhere that knows the answers. Now, is that challenging to be patient with these guys or is that more your leadership style? Because obviously you're competitive and you want to go for it, but is it okay that the rookie might be asking for, lack of a better term, a, a dumb question now and then? Uh, yeah, it's definitely, it's not how you want to approach it. I'd say you want to be welcoming towards everybody and really have everybody caught up in the same page as much as possible. I I kind of just put pass it on, put it forward how my how the vets when I came in, how they treated me and they helped me out so much. And that's something that I'm trying to develop. I wouldn't say I'm great at yet, but it's that leadership. It's that communication. It's yeah. Kind of how I, how I experienced it to let these guys have an experience as well. Yeah. Any vets you want to shout out that you, you want to give credit to, because I think there's so many layers to it where, like you said, it could be somebody not knowing what a commit block was, or it might be somebody not knowing where like the bookstore or the library is and they just need to get comfortable around campus. Right. There's so many layers to being a varsity athlete. Like, was there anyone who like you'd like to shout out who kind of showed you the way a little bit? Oh, really all of them. Tyler Schmidt, Tanner, Greaves, Jonathan Phillips, Quinn Bromley and Scott Kieske. Scott a lot. Most of it because he was a fellow middle. And he really showed me the ropes throughout the game. And a lot of it was playing with keeping my composure almost. And just, yeah, just not trying to let points affect other points. But all those guys helped me out in their own ways, whether it was on court, off court, with assignments, or just in any way, really. Yeah, that's so cool to hear. So what's uh, what's coming up uh, for you guys right away? Like, how's preseason looking? Are you guys going to compete a lot now that everybody's so relieved you can play everybody? Or are you guys going to kind of yep. ease into it? Like, what's what's the early part of the season look like? Uh, yeah, so I think this year it's pretty fun. I believe we're going to Sofaland and Blue Team Cup. 
as well as Dino Cup there. I think those will be your three exhibition tournaments. I I always look forward to the Blue Team Cup, always some good competition, and I get a lot of buddies out there, but I love playing everybody. I I love reconnecting with guys that I haven't seen in a couple months. I Yeah, there's nothing about just every game's a good game. Yeah, I think a lot of our listeners will know what the Dino Cup is because even, uh, I don't want to age myself, but when I was a kid, it was on TV at one point. It's a big deal and it, they always do a great job. But uh, some of our listeners might not know, what is the Blue Team Cup? Uh, Blue Team Cup is really any team in U Sports that has blue as part of their uniform. So <laughs> Trinity, UBCO, I think Brandon was there. Montreal was there one year. You have us. Yeah, and it's great competition and and again, I get to reconnect with these guys and these friendships that I had junior national team that maybe I haven't gotten to see because they're training elsewhere. Hopefully some of our U of T uh, guys are listening because their mascot is a varsity blue. So hopefully they're saying, hey, it's not a true tournament until we get the call. Yeah, I'm sure they'll be pushing to get out there. <laughs> So you and I were talking before the show and obviously Ben Joe's now the national team coach and he's doing a lot of great things. But I think one thing he has a passion for is the middle position and the amount of gaps these guys can hit. And uh, I was talking to a few of the setters like I think there's seven or eight different paths a middle can take to a ball. So looking down your career as you progress uh, with you already being a national team guy, but hopefully going to play for our senior team. Is that something that's really appealing to you? Is this how focused they are in the middle? And it's such like an athletic fast position, it seems like under the Ben Joe system. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love how he runs his offense through the middle a lot. How volume heavy it is really, not just the middle, but middle pipe. I, I think that's, even as a blocker, that's, as a middle blocker, that's, you could ask any middle, and that's one of the hardest things to block, timing the, switching up the difference between that 51, that quick 51, or that right over the shoulder. And it's, yeah, it's, it's a fun game. Now, is that something that middles have to get comfortable with and just the idea of like team points? And what I mean by that is you might not get the volume you want, but if you get another guy a one-on-one or if you leave the pipe just totally naked along the net, like, is that something that you're like, yeah, that's, that's a team point for us. And I contributed to that, even though the stat sheet's not going to give me the tally. Yeah. I think every middle knows. And when you get that other middle jumping in the air, you kind of have that smirk in the air. Knowing that pipe is coming right over your shoulder and it's going to be a naked pipe really going into for an attack and with a lot of confidence and yeah. No, I, I do have to ask because it came up recently on our other show, Sharp Cuts, where Garrett mentioned, you know, playing against your friends can be distracting sometimes. And some guys get appealing or some guys get maybe distracted or not switched on as much where it seems like every roster I've looked at, Matthew Neves is on or you're playing against guys that you grew up with or just being from the Calgary area. There's a ton of sports players, right? So how do you flip the switch? Where you're like, you're going to win, but you're still going to be friends at the end of the game. Yeah, I even like just a little friendly banter they, at the net. I That's what I kind of like to do. A guy like Braden Friesen, for example. A little friendly banter. He's one of my closer friends, but it's, yeah, just when it's time to compete, it's time to compete. And I think we both know that. And but we know that we're going to play our hardest, but at the end of the match, we're still going to have that friendship. And that's what's so special about it. Yeah, that's cool, because I think your coach is probably going to freak out if you're joking around during the game, but maybe a quick comment here, but still knowing that, like, you want to get the best of them and you're trying to win the game. It's not just, like, a, a fun, loose scrimmage, right? Yeah, correct, right. And, uh, yeah, you're really, you're there to play them. You're not there to make friendships like playing there. You're there to play and win a match. And the energy, of course, is going to be going towards your team, but maybe between points or set, you'll 
say something to each other. Yeah, that's so awesome. And just another layer that I, I love about the middle position, and I'd love to get some tips from you is how are you communicating with the setter on your own team? Because like we said, like you might not be getting the volume, but maybe the other middle still biting, even though you're not getting like the touches, right? So is that something you're communicating? Like they're commit blocking on the 30 so we can like overload our, our C ball or our right side here. Or is there times where you have to dem- demand the ball because they're just, they're not committing, they're late on you and they're leaving you alone in those gaps? Yeah, and that's, I think that's, what you need really in every setter middle relationship is just a lot of conversation, a lot of feedback. You see that maybe they are fronting you, you're going to tell them that. And I have such an appreciation for setters for how much information they could take in and they, how to play based on that. So um, I always, I love to talk with my setters, whether it's adjustments on the set or what the other middle's doing, just to, Give them just a little piece of information that might help them for other sets or yeah, future points. Now, is the communication style ever discussed or is it just one of those things in the heat of moment like you might yell or they might yell at you and you guys are going to be okay with it? Or does it get down to the layer of like how they want to be spoken to or how you want to give the information? Yeah, I think some guys, you you kind of learn that through practice that some setters have different personalities and you can't talk to the same way that you talk to one guy versus another. but just playing with each other, training with each other, knowing how they'll take information better than others. And yeah, just, yeah, it's just always building that relationship. Yeah, this has been awesome, man. Thanks for sharing all the tips you did. And I'm glad you're excited for what looks like a pretty busy preseason and a big year for Mount Royal. But uh, one tradition we've made on the show is obviously you've played at the highest level and you're still climbing is uh, something odd or funny must have happened along the way just because the volleyball community is so unique. So, I mean, you're speaking Spanish and talking to volunteers and fans in Cuba. You're you're battling with your buddies on the court. You're winning a lot of games in youth sports. I was just hoping you could share maybe one more funny story before we let you go. Yeah, it was. I... The one that kind of sticks out that I've been thinking about is just that Cuba trip and Peru as well, where I was really like the only guy on the team that could speak Spanish, but some of my teammates still wanted to interact with the locals and stuff. So they just say, oh, Louis, can you come come along? Let me, can you come be my translator? So I was kind of doing a dual job there of translator and volleyball player on those trips. And you know, it, was, it was nice to have those exchanges. That's so cool. And... Does anyone get surprised? Because not to stereotype you, but obviously a name like uh, Lewis Lang from Calgary, people might be like, oh, that's that's a guy who speaks Spanish as his first language. Like, do you kind of catch people off guard or they they understand your accent and like you, they know you're a native speaker? I, I'm not sure, really. I think the vast majority of people wouldn't know that I am. But and it does catch them off a little off guard. I, I part of the reason my English is as good as it is now is because I, before I came here from Venezuela, I had a couple of years in Florida where I spent, yeah, I, that's where I learned to speak English. So I've, I've had a couple of years speaking English, but I still bilingual and still speak Spanish at home with my parents. And yeah. Well, man, this has been great. Uh, I've been a fan of your career. It's good to always get behind the curtain and see everything you're up to. And like I said, best of luck this year, because I think you guys are going to have a good season and definitely be checking the U sports standings in Canada West to see what's going on. Yeah, thank you so much, Josh. Thank you for taking the time. And like I said, big fan of what you do here. And I wish you the best of luck going forward.